You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to a not regularly scheduled, but special edition of the Daily Hammer. Actually, another Daily Hammer podcast to be named later crossover episode. My name's Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you're listening, you're having a great end to your weekend. In this regular slot, usually it's the Battery battery Power podcast itself with Brad Rowland and Scott Coleman. This time around, you're getting myself, Sean Coleman, as well as I always call him one of the best minds in Braves country, and he absolutely confirms it every time. Stephen Tolbert at B underscore Outliers on Twitter. I'm so glad to get to talk with you again, sir. How are you this evening? What's up, Sean? It's good to be with you, buddy. Yeah, it's uh, we've kind of got the we've got the Daily Hammer host. We've got a podcast to be named later, host, and we're doing it in the the main show's time slot. So we've kind of combined all three for this special occasion. But it's always good to be on with you, man. It's obviously a lot going on in the game. Trade deadline season. There's already been a ton of moves. The the deadline's not till um, Tuesday night at six p.m. Eastern, so still a lot of time left for moves to be made. But Braves have already made some smaller moves. Other teams have made bigger moves. So there's plenty to talk about, and I'm I'm excited to be on with you, man. Yeah, and we're starting to see the impact of, you know, all the things that the Braves have put together over the past two years, right? You know, you go back to the trade deadline two years ago, and you go back to the trade deadline last year. Last year, we were sitting here talking about the trades that were made, as well as the Austin Riley extension, Spencer Strider extension. I think that may have been a little bit later. I can't remember exactly when it occurred. The year before, all the moves to, you know, hopefully would at least get the Braves in the playoffs. Obviously, we know what wound up happening. This time around, we're seeing some activity, but not necessarily as much. But before we get into that, we do want to hit on the fact that it seems like the Braves are starting to right the ship a little bit, Stephen. You know, they came into the second half of the season, you know, uh, struggling a bit. The offense wasn't hitting on all cylinders as much. Obviously, pitching injuries started to impact the bullpen in particular, but it does seem like the Braves have kind of righted the ship. Two straight weekends facing arguably the third best team in the National League in the Milwaukee Brewers, and they beat them five out of six times. And it wasn't particularly close, you know, in a lot of those games. So, Steve, though the score says otherwise, the Braves' offense definitely stood out. Steven, just your takeaways from, you know, this weekend, the Braves getting a needed sweep and getting this homestand started on the right track. Yeah, they definitely came out of the all-star break a little flat. You know, they had that really good game, that first game against the White Sox where they hit a grand slam, Olsen hit a grand slam in the first. They won that game like 10 nothing, and it looked like it was just going to kind of be business as usual like it was before the break, and then, you know, give the White Sox credit. They came back and beat the Braves the next two games. And that kind of started the first kind of meh stretch of baseball the Braves have had in a while. And, you know, the Braves won like 85% of their games in June, something absurd like that. And, you know, that's not – baseball is not going to allow that for any stretch of time. Like baseball doesn't work that way. You're not going to be able to reel off 
25 out of 30 wins and keep that pace for any amount of time. So th- there was always going to be another lull. There was always going to be another stretch of games where the Braves didn't play well. Um, you know, the whole time Max and Kyle have been out, the Braves really haven't paid for that with, you know, questionable starting pitching. And, and that kind of caught up to him a little bit. You know, Bryce Elder had um, his first real bumpy stretch of the, of the season with, you know, multiple really, really disastrous outings. And, um, you know, Soroka has been really inconsistent. He, he's back in um, Gwinnett now. Smith Shaver's come up, you know, they, they traded for Yanni Chernos uh, um, to try to get some innings just because they're, they're really desperate for innings at this point. And, you know, when you're, you know, when those are the names that you're rolling out, there should be a stretch of baseball where you don't look very good. Like that's, that, that's what should happen. And then you add into the fact that the Braves are down probably four of their five best relievers with, you know, Chavez, Mentor, Lee and, and Nick Anderson. Then, yeah, I mean, that's what should happen. Like it's not, it doesn't make any sense that the Braves were able to accomplish what they did in June, given who they were missing for a lot of it. So yeah, it was always going to happen. I, I hope fans understood that i hope there wasn't too much panic i know anytime there's a loss there's panic but yeah so it was was nice to see the offense step up the pitching is still a question you know the brewers are not a very good offense and and they still were able to score a decent amount of runs in this series so um the the pitching is still a thing that the braves need to figure out and a lot of that will be figured out with injuries or guys coming back from injuries but um, i imagine there's going to be some additions as well that we'll obviously talk about as they happen and the other thing before we get into, you know, some trade discussions is that, you know, one good thing that's awesome to see in the second half of the season is Austin Riley finally coming on, finally getting going. But I believe eight home runs in his past 11 games, um, you know, seeing him do well, him and Matt Olson both doing really well in this series at the same time. That just really keys this offense up, you know, for them supporting Ozzie Albies and um, Ronald Acuna Jr. And then, of course, Marcelo Zuna had a spectacular series. So the middle of that Braves order, it's good to see the offense going once again. But I know Austin Riley has done this before. He absolutely excels in July. It's going to be important for him to get going once again in August. But at the very least, it's good to see this stretch from him, something that we've been waiting for all season. Yeah, he finally looked like the guy that, you know, the Braves signed that 10-year deal um, after – what he did last July. And, and we really hadn't seen that guy again. There's been a little stretches. He was hot kind of right at the very beginning of this year and a couple of little stretches in May, but yeah, he, we just haven't seen him get red hot. Like we've seen him in the past. And so, yeah, it was great to see he's been, you know, he's got his OPS all the way back up to like the eight fifties or something like that, which is of course much more normal for him. It's even probably, you know, he's probably even a 900 OPS guy really at this point in terms of true talent level. So yeah, great to see him and Olsen together. I've said it before, but when those two guys, you know, Ronnie's going to do Ronnie's thing and it's going to be pretty consistent. But when, when Matt and Austin are hitting like that, where every time Ronnie's on base, it's, you know, you're one swing away from two runs. uh, It's just such a threat. And like you said, with Marcel and, and Rosario, who've been, kind of weirdly in tandem this year they've both been terrible at the same time and then both been great at the same time both guys had a really good series marcel obviously had a great series so but yeah it just deepens the lineup that much more you know it's just fewer and fewer places you can go for outs and you know the the brewers are a really good pitching staff they that's how they win they they're a run prevention team with their defense and their pitching and you know they don't score a lot of runs they scored like the second or third fewest runs in the national league this year and, and so they win via pitching and so to to do what the 
Braves did to them in this series and even last series in Milwaukee, um, you know, when the Braves offense is rolling, they can beat anybody. And, you know, that's what we saw this weekend with the sweep. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about it, you know, the fact that the Braves offense, when, when they're going good, the, the Braves offense may be the best singular aspect of, of any team in baseball right now, or at least the one that sh- has shown the highest ceiling. When you consider every team's ability to pitch or defense or offense, the Braves offense is, is just incredible. You know, again, they were on a historic run, still could set the, you know, a single season record for home runs in a season. But offense is what is is clearly the calling card of this team. But one aspect of this team that I know me and you've talked about, Stephen, you've talked about extensively on the podcast to be named later with Chris Willis, is the defense for the Braves this year certainly has taken a step back. Well, I don't want to put too much emphasis on the move that was made today, but you can kind of see the reasoning behind it because it does give a, a very good defensive option. It allows for the Braves to now have that if they needed to utilize it at some point. Of course, I'm talking about the fact that the Braves did make a trade a few hours ago. They acquired former Kansas City Royals infielder Nicky Lopez, and in exchange, they traded away pitcher Taylor Hearn, who they had just gotten six days ago against the Texas Rangers. Hearn, of course, made his one appearance for the Braves franchise this past Saturday night. was awful, and so that's probably why he wasn't long for Atlanta. But in Nicky Lopez, Stephen, listen, we've talked about it also before, this 26th spot on the Braves roster, so a spot that Charlie Culberson and Ira Adrianza, Braden Shoemake, they've all field. It's a spot that doesn't play. But now the Braves have something that they have a need for in that spot if they ever were to use it, and that's an elite glove that can play at multiple positions. So don't want to put too much on a player that's probably going to play just a handful of innings for the rest of the year, but you legitimately have a gold gold glove caliber defender on the bench now that could help when needed. Yeah, and that's what this is. This is... This is insurance, essentially, because like you said, the the 26 man doesn't play. Culberson never played. Adrianza never played. Nicky Lopez will probably never play. The Braves' starting lineup is pretty much set in stone. They don't they don't really change much, really at all. Um, you know, on the rare occasion that the Braves face a left-handed pitcher, uh, Kevin Plar will jump in there and left. But that's about it in terms of the Braves' variance, and obviously the catchers as well. So. But yeah, it's 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 insurance for probably Arcia and, and Ozzy up the middle, little insurance for Harris and center. Nicky Lopez is a one thing Lopez is that Culberson and Adrianza weren't is Lopez is a legitimately an elite defender at multiple positions. Um and same with Grissom. Like Grissom, while Vaughn Grissom can play multiple positions, he doesn't really play any of them well. Same with Culberson, same with Adrianza. You know, it's more of a you know, it's more of an average defender at a lot of positions, whereas Lopez is the opposite. Lopez is, is, is an elite defender at probably three or four positions and probably even more than that, if he had to. So it's a really good guy to have for insurance. You know, I've said this before, but you know, when, when baseball removed the waiver deadline and made the non-waiver deadline, the only deadline in terms of being able to acquire players, um, then who you have in your roster, you know, on August 2nd or August 3rd, whichever one is the trade deadline this year, but whoever's in your organization on that date is that's, that's your team. You know, you can't go out and, and trade, you know, you can't make waiver trades anymore the way you used to. So, you know, not only do you need to have guys on your team that are going to play, but you also have to have 
whatever insurance policies you want to have on the roster as well, because there's just no more trades. So I think this was more about that. I think this is more Arcia insurance, um, Aussie insurance, make sure the defense is there because again, he's not going to play a lot. It's not like he's going to, you know, start over Arcia. Um, but you do have to have insurance in case injuries happen. And you don't want to be stuck in a situation where Charlie Culberson is playing, you know, meaningful shortstop for you in September and October. So I think that's what this was more about. This is more about making sure that they've got enough depth and enough insurance at critical positions, at least defensively, where if they did have an injury, they could cover it. Yeah, and so this goes to what the Braves have done this week. The Braves basically ha- have now made three moves. Yeah, they did acquire, they, they basically made four, but Taylor Hearns now turned into Nicky Lopez. They, of course, last Monday, they um, got uh, Yanni uh, Trinos off of waivers from the Tampa Bay Rays after he had been designated for assignment. And they, well, they got did that last Sunday. And then on Monday, along with getting Hearn, they traded for reliever Pierce Johnson, who looked a lot better, you know, after his first um, relief appearance in Boston, which Stephen got to see. Uh, well, we'll talk to Stephen about that a little bit later on in the episode. But the thing that I'm getting at is, is that we're seeing the master of the moves on the margins, um, Alex Anthopoulos, that's what he's doing right now. He He's shoring up. He's added an extra arm with upside to the bullpen. Uh, he's He's gotten kind of a veteran guy who can, a swing guy who could start or relieve if need be, and he's added a, a great glove to the Braves bench. Those it, That's activity. But to me, it still remains the case that the Braves are probably looking, and we got a little bit of a you know reminder of this from John Morrissey just a few moments ago, the Braves are still looking for an arm. And it seems like that they're also looking for potentially a starting pitcher. But, Stephen, there's just not a lot of options out there. Expanded playoffs, what, seven to eight sellers. More teams are making announcements of guys who are taken off the market than guys who are available. Let's first look at, you know, what's out there. I mean, what really is the, you know, sample of major league teams to look at when it comes to potentially adding another arm, you know, hopefully of some significance. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, this was a conversation back when expanded playoffs was being talked about in the new CBA was one of the byproducts of expanded playoffs is obviously with one extra playoff spot, there's, you know, another three or four teams in each league that potentially think that they, are in it and can justify either either buying outright or standing pat at the least and you know and seeing if they can make a run and so what that leads to is just fewer sellers and this has been the case all year especially in the national league you know you were talking about it earlier the braves and the dodgers are you know the braves are in one kind of level the dodgers are in the next level and then after that it's like 10 teams that are just all right there jumbled together and what that's created is this kind of uh, it's it's a it's a traffic backup, you know, in the wild card spot, and nobody's really separated it. And and because of that, teams like the Cubs and the Padres, who could have been sellers, had somebody in those wild card spots, you know, really taken off. Because no one really did, you know, the Cubs and the Padres have become buyers, and they got hot at the right time. And you know, so now not only are the Cubs and the Padres players that are potentially off the market, you know, guys like Bellinger and Stroman and Soto and Hader and Blake Snell and, you know, all those guys, not, not only are those guys off the market, but now the Cubs and the Padres are trying to buy. So there's, there's more, even more on the buyer side of trying to get the guys who are on the markets. So it, it creates a domino effect and, you know, how many buyers and sellers you have is almost as important as 
who the individual players are uh, just because the balance is necessary so that, you know, the prices stay in kind of normal and you don't get these huge seller markets or buyer markets that, that kind of, you know, they, they discourage uh, transactions. So that's, you know, that's what we've kind of run into. And, you know, you could see that coming. I mean, the national league has been a, a jumbled mess for the whole year. So it's not surprising, but yeah, the, you know, if the Braves are, one an arm and it's it seems like they do and chris and i have talked about this a little bit about how the you know a starting pitcher for a long time it looked like the braves number one need was going to be a reliever and you could argue the braves number one need is still a reliever depending on how healthy aj mentor and nick anderson and those guys are but it seemed as time went on and on a starting pitcher became more and more and more realistic in terms of a target because you know, Soroka didn't look, hasn't looked like he's ready to take a rotation spot. You know, Smith Shaver is is good, but he's 20 years old. You know, he's just not ready, I don't think, for that kind of role. Um, all the other guys have been inconsistent. You know, Kyle Wright's been really slow to come back. Allard got hurt for the year. You know, uh, it's kind of one thing after the other. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that's where we are now, where a starter is – a very likely possibility in terms of, of what the Braves go get. And, you know, we can jump into names here in a minute, but um, yeah, I think that's where the Braves are right now. Yeah. And, and what it comes down to, to me is that, you know, even when you look at the starters that the Braves have had, I think that we, uh, somebody put out, you know, the other day that the number of starts that each team has had, you have Elder Morton or Bryce Elder, Charlie Morton, and Spencer Strider, who all three have started 20 or more games. And then the Braves don't have another person who started more in double digits. All the other starters that have started the game for the Braves are still in the single digits. That's that's basically how the Braves have gotten by. But when you look at the playoffs, and let's make no mistake, anything that the Braves are doing right now is focused on putting them in the best position for the playoffs. That's the luxury of being as good as they were in June and having baseball's best record. But right now, when you look at even Strider, Morton, and um, uh, Elder, I think you're perfectly fine with Spencer Strider going against any other pitcher in baseball. You don't probably want him to go back six innings, but he's perfectly fine, in a, even in a playoff setting. Charlie Morton, at, at the very least, he's going to keep you in the game, but you know the inconsistency of Morton has definitely increased over the past few years. And then Bryce Elder, you've seen a bit of regression happen, though you figure he can at least navigate through the lineup a few times, you know, with, without running into major trouble. But I think that's what the Braves need. And I agree with you. For the longest time, I thought that it was a reliever until this recent hot streak of Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario getting back going. I thought it may have been another bat as well, but they really do need another arm that at the very least can navigate a lineup Two times through and, and and keep the Braves in the game with confidence. That's definitely what they need, but it's just hard to find that. I mean, you've got when I well, the reason I say it's hard to find is because you've got the Pirates, you've got the Royals, you've got the Athletics, you've got the Tigers, the Cardinals, the Rockies. Finding that type of pitcher on those teams is hard to do because it's a, there's a reason why they're selling. There's not many arms on those teams that can do that. So when you look kind of at that sample size of teams that are available, Stephen, just a couple of names that you think may make sense. Is there one or two names that with their repertoire or with their arsenal really stand out as, you know, having a skill set that the Braves would focus on? Yeah, I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Tigers is obviously the the big name that everyone's talking Well, outside of Verlander, you know, Verlander is going to be the one that now that Scherzer has been moved, you know, the Braves, uh, 
I think the Braves will check in on Verlander. I, the Mets would have to eat an ungodly amount of money for the Braves to make that happen because Verlander still owed. I mean, he signed an $86 million contract in the winter and it's only been four months of baseball since then. So, you know, whatever the Mets have paid him in four months, you know, subtract that from 86 million and that's what he still owed. So, you know, Verlander is obviously the name everybody's going to talk about. I think more realistically, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Tigers, who's been really good. He signed a big contract a couple of years ago, and he has a he has an opt out for 2023 in that contract. So it it could be a rental, and you kind of have to assume it's going to be a rental. Um, and so the 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 cost of that will be interesting. How the Tigers, how much they want for him, how much teams are willing to give up, knowing that he can opt out at the end of the year. Um, the Tigers also have Michael Lorenzen, who's been pitching really well this year. That's probably a decent name to look at. Um, other names after that, you know, the Pirates, I don't know if they're interested in selling Mitch Keller. You know, he's still young enough where it's possible they don't. Uh, um, if they did, you know, in this market with so little selling happening, they could probably get a decent return. Um, and I don't know if the Braves would have the prospects to be in that. The Braves almost kind of need somebody who's a rental to keep the prospect cost low because those are the only kind of bidding wars that the Braves are going to be able to win. You know, if it's if it's a guy that's got two or three years of control and it's going to take multiple top prospects, the Braves can't even they can't even get into that bidding war because they just don't have those level of prospects in their system. They need they probably need more of like a rental guy who's not going to demand top prospects anyways, which helps the Braves because they don't have any. So, um, yeah, I think if I had to just make a list of guys who I think the Braves could get who make the most sense in terms of cost, talent. Is it worth it? Does it actually move the needle? I think Rodriguez and Detroit would be one. I think I would have to think about it. You know, the, the White Sox have already moved Giolito and Lance Lynn. Uh, the Mets moved Scherzer. Um, the, the Cardinals have already moved uh, Montgomery. They still have Flaherty. But I don't think Flaherty really moves the needle as much as the Braves would hope. I don't think, you know, that's kind of the thing with Alex is that he makes kind of two moves. He makes the fringe moves of guys that, you know, the Oda Rizzi's that don't get any pub at all. Or he makes the big move um, that really moves the needle, the Olsons, the Murphy kind of move. Um, and he doesn't really do these. I don't I don't know if Jack Flaherty is really in the kind of level of move that he would make. So I don't know how realistic he is. You know, the Rockies have a couple of guys who could be interesting. Um, the Royals have um, – the Royals have Grinky still, but Grinky's pretty old. He's he's having a rough year. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would probably, if I had to just give you a name right here, right now, of the guy that makes the most sense for the Braves, it would probably be Eduardo Rodriguez of the Tigers. That's actually the name that stood out to me. And, and one of the reasons why it stood out to me is because, you know, we talked about you and mentioning him earlier in the show, Vaughn Grissom. Right now, Vaughn Grissom is probably the most significant trade ship that the Braves have. Listen, Vaughn Grissom, I, to me, is a valuable asset. He has good upside with the bat, I think. I don't necessarily know if it's you know all-star worthy, but I think that he can be a regular based off mainly his bat. But the problem is, is that he's not a good defender, and the Braves don't really have a need for that. They have all the offense they need, and we know that they struggle defensively. So a, a bat-first prospect who isn't necessarily a power bat really is not that valuable to the Braves as of right now. So it's sensible for the Braves to probably take Vaughn Grissom and use him, turn him into something that they could potentially control 
if they were to look long-term, but it kind of gets into a conundrum because when you look at, you know, like the Royals, for instance, I looked at their pitching. Carlos Hernandez was a reliever that made a lot of sense, but, you know, Brady Singer may be on there, but I don't really know if the Braves make the move for him. But I looked at teams where you could potentially get a, a rental starting pitcher and then you could get a controllable reliever. Zach Greinke and Carlos Hernandez from the Royals, for instance. Rodriguez and Jason Foley, or, or Michael Lorenzen and Jason Foley, or, or Ale, I believe it's Alec Lang from Detroit. That type of combination may be worth a Von Grissom. I don't know if a Paul Seawald in Seattle would make a lot of sense because there's only one year of control for him, and I think Grissom has more value than a reliever you could control for maybe a year and a half. And, of course, I know you've thrown out David Bednar as a potential controllable reliever, but I don't know if Von Grissom would even entice that the, the um, uh, Pirates look at that. But some type of rental starter, controllable for lever combination, I think that is the type of package that would make sense to move Von Grissom for. And the Tigers and, and the Mariners, for instance, and the Royals, they all could use a young infield type bat. What are your thoughts as far as that goes? Using Von Grissom to potentially fill two needs, another option for the starting rotation, and then potentially a controllable reliever that can help the Braves' relief core for multiple years, because we know that Alex likes to go after relievers with control. Yeah, I mean, Grissom is, you know, other than smith Shaver, Grissom is probably the Braves' best trade chip. Um, you know, he he's listed as a shortstop because that's where he plays in AAA. Um, anybody that's watched him play shortstop knows that he's probably not a shortstop. He's probably more of a second baseman, but he can hit. And, you know, the hit tool is the most valuable tool in baseball. If you can hit, then they'll find a place for you to play defense. And so, and Grissom still has obviously a ton of control. It's like five and a half years of control or something like that. So, um, you know, he was definitely valuable to teams, especially bad teams looking to add to their core of talent. I don't think he has a spot in Atlanta. You know, like I said, the Braves do have a, a hole at shortstop in terms of the future, but Grissom's not a shortstop, so he doesn't really do anything to help that. And obviously, the Braves are pretty they're they're pretty well taken care of at third base and, and second base for the foreseeable future. He could play left, but he's just got uh, I don't know. It left is harder than people think it is. And, you know, he's very stiff in his motions. And I actually don't know if he would be great out there either. I think he's a second baseman. I think that's what he is in terms of just his raw talent. Um, and I think he needs to go to a team that needs a second baseman and that can hit. And, you know, I I don't know what the Tigers situation is on second base. I don't know what the Royals, you know, I don't, I don't know how they feel about that pos that position specifically. But, yeah, I, I mean, if it were me, if I, if I were running things, I would definitely be trying – to shore up the pitching staff with a starter and a reliever. And I would probably be using Grissom as my number one trade bait to do it. Um, you know, again, it, and this is why trade deadline stuff and, and fake trades and, you know, mock trades are so difficult is because every team values every player different, right? There could be a team that loves Vaughn Grissom, and, but they don't have any starters that you want. Or, and there's, there could be a team that definitely has starters that you want, but they don't really, they're not really into Vaughn Grissom. So, you know, it's a lot of it's matchup. You know, you got to match up well. The, the team you're talking to has to value the prospect you want to trade, you know, enough to give give up the guys they have. So that's where it gets tricky. But, yeah, just on the pure spec of it, just, you know, the the feel of it, that's that makes sense to me. You know, you try to shore up the pitching staff, get a starter, get a reliever, 
and use Von Grissom as the as the big trade chip. Do it. Um, yeah, on its on the surface at least that makes sense. And we know also that Alex Anthopoulos does have a history of trading, you know, with Detroit, you know, in, in Toronto, I believe he got David Price from Detroit uh, in um, uh, uh, he also got Shane Green from Detroit. And that was th- those were older regimes that were in Detroit. But Scott Harris came from the Giants who the who Alex Anthopoulos, he knows their front office well, the Giants know the Braves system well. So there are some connections there that can make Detroit a sensible trade partner. So I definitely think that they're a, a name to watch. Now, as far as Rodriguez goes, I imagine that if he's going to get moved, um, which I think Detroit should definitely move him, you know there's plenty of teams out there that, gonna, that are going to try to get him. But with the Rangers already haven't made their moves, um, the Dodgers already haven't made their moves, either Detroit has a high asking price um, or, you know, they, they – those teams may just not have been able to offer what uh, they, they were looking for. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do. And of course, yes, AJ Smith Schauber is, you know, more valuable than Von Grissom, in my opinion. I agree with you. He would be the top trade chip. I just think that he would only be used in, in the case that the Braves go and get, you know, a significant upgrade that they would like to control, I guess, when it comes to a starting pitcher. But any more thoughts on the trade deadline, Stephen? Because, I mean, yes, it seems like that we're definitely locked in to a reliever. I guess we could make a move for, you know, a, a, another potential left-handed bat. But I, I just I think the Braves are going to be fine with Marcelo Zuna and um, Eddie Rosario. I, I'd love to get another option, especially that, you know, could at least be a little, a little bit more consistent at the DH spot. But do you have any other thoughts? Because we always know Alex Anthopoulos, just like the Nicky Lopez move, he always makes moves for guys that, you know, aren't on a lot of people's radars. But just anything in particular or any predictions that you might have over the next 48 hours before the trade deadline comes and goes? No, I mean, you know, I do think I do think one thing that does get overlooked is, you know, it is important that teams have a trade history. I think that matters. Like you were talking about with Detroit and the Braves, you know, they've traded Shane Green and uh, Robbie Grossman came from Detroit uh, last year. And so the Braves have kind of, they, you know, this is a, a very um, familiar trade partner. So I, that stuff does matter, I think, a little more than fans generally think it does. Um, like you said, Detroit knows the, the Braves system really well. So that's a pretty interesting possibility, especially since they have both Rodriguez and Lorenzen both and a couple of relievers that the Braves would probably be very interested in. So that's probably one that I'm keeping an eye on closer than anything else I've heard in terms of rumors. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Braves added an outfielder. Um, You know, Hilliard is obviously hurt and he's been pretty bad when he's played. He had that really hot start in April, but he's really cooled off and, and lost pretty much all of his playing time. You know, Rosario is just such a Jekyll and Hyde player um, when he's off. You know, you just you're desperate to get anybody else in there to play for him. And when he's on, you know, it looks like he belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's very strange. And he's a he's a really weird player. And I'm sure the Braves would hope for somebody a little more consistent, you know, instead of these just massive, massive peaks and valleys of performance that he goes through. And, you know, and listen, in 21, the Braves won a World Series because he happened to hit a peak in the middle of the postseason. And if that happens, then great. Um, but if he's in one of these valleys during the postseason, then it, it really is just kind of a black hole in the lineup. So I will be interested to see if they if they add a, a bat. There was some noise last week about Adam Duvall and the Braves. Um, I think they just re-roll that same rumor every year. Um, honestly, I don't even know if it's true, but the Braves have acquired Adam Duvall enough times where you could probably just say it's true and, and be safe. So I will be interested to see if they add another outfielder of some sort just as – a little bit of Rosario insurance. But other than that, you know, I, 
we've already seen the bench move with Nicky Lopez, which I like. I think it's an underrated move. Um, we should, we should also mention that the Braves didn't give up anything to get Nicky Lopez. They gave up Taylor Hearn, who they just traded for. Um, I think you mentioned that, but it, it bears repeating that this is a this is essentially a free move. This is a, a no risk move to get Lopez, and he's got some talent. He was a top prospect at one time, and you know there might be more in there in the bat. That the Braves, a little like they did with Arcia a few years ago, you know they're trying to unlock something they see, and he's got enough defensive talent where it could be worth something. So. Um, and he's got some years of control. He's got to survive arbitration next year to, to stay on the team. But um, so that's an interesting one. But yeah, other than maybe an outfielder, I think starter and reliever is is still where they want to go. I'm very interested to see how how much they push for a reliever with all these guys coming back. You know, if they're AJ is going to probably going to be back by tomorrow. Um, you know, I haven't heard a report on Chavez in a while. I think Dylan Lee is pitching. Um, Nick Anderson is just shut down because he's on the 60 day, but he can still be back in September. So I'm interested to see how aggressive they go after a reliever. Um, I would love to get one more just because I would always love to get one more, but you know, it, it's all about acquisition cost and, 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 you know, how much you're willing to give up to get. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be mostly arms that the Braves look at if they do anything and listen, there's a chance the Braves don't do anything. I mean, we need to say that. You know, it's not – there's so few sellers out there and so many buyers that the Braves don't have a system where they can go out and win bidding wars. So, um, you know, it might be a quiet deadline, and, you know, Braves fans probably should prepare, prepare for that. But, you know, I do think he'll – I think Alex will aggressively go out and try to add a starter if he can and potentially a reliever. And if he gets them both done, then I'll, I'll, I'll call that a, a pretty good deadline. Absolutely. And, you know, another report that we saw from Mark Bowman himself was, you know, the Braves checked in on Lance Lynn before he was traded to the Dodgers. It looked like the White Sox were asking for Jared Schuster. Probably makes some sense that the Braves didn't want to give up a, you know, a guy with Schuster's control for who what basically would be probably a rental in Lance Lynn. And, and the other thing when it comes to the relief arms, you know, I mentioned it earlier this week, Stephen, is that, you know, yes, the overall bullpen numbers in July aren't that spectacular, but you really have to look at the sources that that's coming from. They're coming from sources like a Taylor Hearn or a Ben Heller um, or, or, or others who are not going to have long-term spots on this bullpen for this season or the playoffs. The arms that will Joe Jimenez, Kirby Yates, possibly, you know, Rysel Iglesias, they've all been very good and they're continuing to get better. So that, to your point, may not necessarily make, you know, relief um, as much of a need. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, another thing that, you know, could be out there, you know, could the Braves go get a starter and an outfitter, you know, some type of combo deal. You know, I know that that was a Frank Wren specialty in the past. Alex Anthopoulos really doesn't do like that. But I agree with you. I think multiple players are going to be acquired. I, I do think that it makes sense to go get a bat that could at least have some potential against right-handed uh, pitching. We know the Braves are very good about going out and getting position players and making them better offensively once they work with within our system. They've had a very good track record of doing that with trade deadline deals. So I could certainly see them being able to do that once again when it comes to making acquisitions. But I agree with you. I think multiple players could be um, – uh, traded to the Braves, and we all know that Alex Anthopoulos likes to operate up to the last minute, so it'll be very interesting over the next 48 hours. Stephen, any more last thoughts or any thoughts in general when it comes to the trade deadline as a whole? We, we, we've not seen anything just absolutely crazy as of yet. Don't necessarily know if we do this year, but we have seen some big names traded You know, when it comes to baseball in general. Just any final thoughts about this trade deadline or something that you're really looking to see whether or not it happens? 
Yeah, I want to see if Verlander gets moved. Obviously, with Max being moved, um, Verlander could still – I think it's likely that he gets moved at this point. I, I don't think he's going to want to stay without Max there. So who he goes to, you know, the Astros have kind of been the team everybody's talking about, about a reunion with the Astros. And, and obviously that would be hilarious with Max going to the Rangers and, and Verlander going to the Astros. But, yeah, that's a big one. Um, I'm curious to see if the Cardinals do anything else. They've got a ton of players. They have a ton of players that they could move if they wanted to. But the reports are that they want to compete next year. So how you know how deep do they cut into that roster is going to be interesting. Are you know are there any surprise sellers? You know I heard Seattle might kind of do both, trade on a couple of their relievers and maybe try to add at the same time. Um, I think it's such a seller's market that I wouldn't be surprised if there's a team right now that's currently not a seller that you know kind of sees how much they could get for certain guys and become sellers. Um, that's what I would do if I was one of these fringe teams that, you know, had really low chances of making the playoffs, even if I was only four or five games out, it's such a seller's market that I think I might be tempted to get, get what I can for my guys. So that that's kind of what I'm looking for just overall is, is how much actual movement there is. There's a couple of big names and obviously what the, whatever the Braves do, um, you know, how, how aggressive the Braves go after a starter is going to be pretty fascinating to watch, but obviously we'll have it all covered here and, and like you said the um brad and scott will cover pretty much everything the braves do um, because by the time they record on tuesday night the the trade deadline will have passed absolutely and steven you know hints at it in great form you know again we could we could see you know a very little happen and again you know the braves they, they may have made the moves that they had again the Braves have more reason to go for it than anybody else, but they also have, you know, they have as much reason to stay put on, on a lot of things as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But Stephen, hinting at it, this will be tomorrow's podcast. Instead of the Battery Power podcast, you'll get a Daily Hammer podcast to be named later, named later crossover. Again, I will be back with you tomorrow night. Also, Steve, a good chance Stephen will be as well if a move were to be made. If not, hey, you know, we'll have plenty to discuss as the Angels and Shohei Otani are coming into town. We haven't even mentioned that, but that's going to be a really fun series, especially after some of the moves that the Angels have made. And then, of course, we'll have the latest for you on any potential rumors or moves that are out there with Brad Rowland and Scott Coleman covering the trade deadline with the latest Battery Power podcast on Tuesday night into Wednesday. Stephen, always a pleasure, man. Hope you have a good end to your weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon. I'm sure it'll be probably within the next 48 hours at some point. Sounds good, Sean. I always appreciate doing these with you, man. Hey, always a pleasure. Stephen Tolbert, again, one of the best minds when it comes to baseball and Braves country. Make sure to check him out at B underscore Outliers. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Until next time, go Braves. We'll talk to you again here on the Battery Power Podcast Network. (laughs) 